Welcome to Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. You were just listening to Let's Talk with John Kane and his new co-host, Reagan DeLoynes. A wonderful show to follow each week, and I'm glad that you're with WBAI and that you're staying with us late this afternoon into the evening. I'm Jeff Simmons, your co-host of Driving Forces. Welcome back. This is an ongoing news show that we have for you every Thursday, and I'd like to top off the show before we get into specific topics with the news of the day. And for those listeners who regularly tune in, you know that one of the topics that I have been focused on a bit with guests has been the uh, growing or mounting concerns over the coronavirus. There's been a lot of developments in recent days. Uh, City and state officials here in New York have been holding uh, news conferences and insisting that they are preparing for what could be uh, a pandemic. I don't think it's been declared a pandemic yet, but that is where all signs seem to be pointing to globally. Uh, the president yesterday, President Trump, named Vice President Mike Pence to coordinate the government's response to the coronavirus, even as he was downplaying the danger to the United States of some type of a widespread domestic outbreak. To date, the virus has infected more than 81 thousand people across the globe, and there have been at least uh, 3,000 deaths, according to reports earlier this morning. There's now a confirmed case in the United States, in California, and closer to home here in Brooklyn, uh, over the border into Long Island. Nassau County officials were uh, monitoring uh, different numbers I've seen in different periodicals, but it seemed that they were monitoring uh, 83. Uh, that was the number that I saw most consistently, people that were in voluntary isolation for potential exposure. Now, again, New York State ha- does not have any confirmed cases of the new coronavirus that has spread from China, but our governor, uh, Andrew Cuomo, was blunt about what may come, and he had said, and this is a quote, uh, no one should be surprised when we have positive cases. Uh, the CDC earlier this week, if you had been following the news, had said it's not a matter of if, but when this will take place. Now, here in the city and state, the legislature has set aside uh, about $40 million to prepare, to prepare to fight the coronavirus. And here in the city, the city's made a, uh, 1,200 hospital beds available for people who are suspected of having this uh, and distributed one and a half million face masks to healthcare workers. But there's a story this afternoon that went up in the New York Times that I encourage you to check out because a number of medical professionals are saying that they are increasingly worried. And doctors, according to these interviews, doctors at several hospitals have been saying that there's a growing concern about the illness and whether our state's healthcare system is actually prepared for it. One doctor even told the Times that she'd been watching YouTube videos to learn how to use protective equipment, which should be a cause for concern. Now, segueing just briefly into politics, because I mentioned President Trump, do want to mention that uh, in the coming days, I'll be closely monitoring what is taking place uh, in South Carolina in the, in the primary this Saturday and uh, uh, in Super Tuesday next week. We've got primaries in 14 states and then voters, uh, Democratic voters abroad also casting their votes. Uh, we will be then uh, bringing this up and talking about the results next Thursday on Driving Forces. I'm hoping to enlist some guests who can provide some great insight into this. So before we get to the first guest on an issue that's going to be uh, that I had hoped to talk about this past Sunday, but we had technical difficulties, so I brought the guest back today. Uh, I do want to remind you that, as as Reggie mentioned before the show started, 
And as John Kane so eloquently put right before this show started, we are in our pledge drive, in our winter pledge drive. And while John had indicated, you know, any amount, no amount is too small. But I want you to think big. I want you to think about how long you've been listening to WBAI and what WBAI has meant to you over the years. Why you listen to us? Because, well, we're non-commercial. We're non-corporate. You're not hearing commercials for Apple or Coca-Cola or Ford or alcohol or tobacco or anything because you're getting a diversity of programming in this progressive community. Uh, neighbor. I like to call it often a neighborhood. We're one big neighborhood, and you've got people from one corner of the neighborhood who have a point of view, others who have a different point of view, but you get to hear them all here, and we like to engage with our listeners. That's why Sunday was such a, a struggle for me because the phone lines weren't working, but they are open today, and that's why I'm going to be able to take your calls on the plastic bag ban throughout the show uh, between and after our guests today. But if you are a loyal listener or you're a new listener and you want to stay – you want us to stay on the air, I'm just urging you to please, in the name of driving forces, just make a pledge. Become a BAI buddy or make a pledge. 516-620-3602. That number is 516-620-3602. You can also go online, easy, give to WBAI. That's give to, the number two, WBAI.org. Uh, and uh, these are two ways you could easily make a donation to be able to support WBAI and keep us on the air. We recently celebrated our 60th anniversary. We want to be around for 60 more years or more. So I want to thank those of you who've contributed. I also want to give a shout out to our former New York City public advocate, Betsy Gottbaum, who was in touch with me. She had said it on the show when she did follow up and she is actually sending in a contribution to us because she wants to make sure that we can continue with our programming. So thank you, Betsy Gottbaum, for that. And when you become a BAI buddy, by the way, you get a tote bag, which is going to be incredibly important in the coming days. Now, I've been using my BAI tote bag everywhere I go, and I do use it when I go to the supermarket when I've remembered to bring it. But moving ahead, I will remember to carry it in my bag all the time. And that's uh, important because coming up this Sunday, there is a new law that's going to take effect. Now, under this new law, which Governor Andrew, Andrew Cuomo signed last year, retailers that collect sales taxes are going to be subject to a plastic bag ban uh, effective this Sunday. And there are some exceptions. That brings me to my first guest this afternoon. Sean Mahar, who is the chief of staff at the New York City Department of Environmental Conservation, which oversees all state programs designed to protect and enhance the environment. Now, I invited Sean on to talk about the imp in implementation of this. On Sunday, we had our tech difficulties, but thank you, Sean, for joining me here today. The phone lines are working. Welcome to BAI. Happy to be on. Thanks for having us again. So what exactly takes place on March 1st? Sure. Well, we're excited to be celebrating this auspicious day with all New Yorkers on March 1st, which is uh, going to be the end of single-use plastic bags as we know them in the state. And uh, we know New Yorkers are ready for this, and many have been pushing the state to implement this ban, and, and the governor really championed it uh, in 2019. And since that time, we've been working to make sure it's going to roll out effectively. And uh, we look forward to working with your listeners and uh, happy to be on today to talk and answer some of the questions that are out there. So which – well, let's start with the retailers. Uh, who's impacted? Who's not impacted by this? Because, you know, people might not know whether you walk into a bodega or a supermarket or have a food delivery service. They might not be aware of what's allowed and what's not. 
Sure. So it's important to remember that this ban applies to anyone who's required to collect sales tax. So all stores, large and small, if you collect sales tax, this uh, single-use plastic bag ban applies to you. And we have a lot of information up on our website, dec.ny.gov, for both consumers and uh, retail outfits as well to learn about this bag and what it means for them. Uh, We've been working with the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance to ensure that uh, all members that are subject to this uh, have received information from us. And it's important to know that our doors are always open here at the department and our experts are always available to answer any questions that uh, uh, stores or consumers uh, can't find on our website. And we've got a lot of information up there now, but if there's something there and specific questions they have, our experts are available. Can you talk a little about enforcement, what the penalties are, and if there's a grace period? Sure. Uh, and it's important. With Anytime we roll out a new law like this, uh, we want to make sure that we're prioritizing education first. And this is a big change for many New Yorkers, and we're here to help them through this transition, which is why we've started our BYO Bag New York campaign overall, reminding and encouraging New Yorkers to bring their own bags to the stores starting March 1st. We know many of them have already started so far, um, which is great, and everyone else come this Sunday will be adapting to that. Um, but that's why we're encouraging, first and foremost, for folks to bring uh, their plastic or bring uh, their bags to the stores. When it comes to enforcement, uh, education is always key first, and we start by educating uh, folks both in advance and then after the law takes effect. And, and we lead with that education effort because it's important to make sure everyone is coming into compliance with this new law. So before any violations are issued or anything like that, we're going to be focused on that education as this rolls out. Uh, we'll be issuing warnings to stores uh, if we find any in, in violation. Um, but we do have an obligation, ultimately, to enforce the laws, and we will be doing that as this program rolls out. And at the same time that there's a ban, many of these establishments, uh, if they decide to use uh, paper bags, will affix, and please correct me if I'm wrong about this, will affix a five-cent uh, tax to that uh, paper bag that they're getting. Uh, if that's accurate, where does that money go to? Well, if this um, uh, county um, opts into creating a, a- paper bag fee. Um, there's specific uh, guidance in the, in the law that was passed that uh, directs how that funding goes. A portion of that, I believe it's 60% of that, goes back to the Environmental Protection Fund in the state to advance uh, our recycling efforts and waste reduction efforts overall. And there's also some that's carved out for um, the co- uh, counties as well that opt into this program. So it, it's important to just check in with your local governments to see if they've opted into this five-cent fee. Uh, some stores, even in communities that have not opted into this fee, are choosing to put a five-cent fee on those bags, and that's well within the rights to do that. But overall, that's why our education effort is really focused on encouraging New Yorkers to bring their own bags to the store starting this Sunday. Now, I know it hasn't started yet, but uh, you know, I read a study uh, out of, from a professor at NYU that talked about the Chicago experience, and I'm wondering what lessons New York has taken from other jurisdictions in crafting this policy? What were some of the challenges that you predicted uh, you'd have to overcome, and how have you you know, maneuvered, or how are you maneuvering to overcome them? Sure. Well, uh, I think it's important to remember that the governor really wanted to make sure that we did this right in New York. So he created the Plastic Bag Task Force that looked into how to structure such a ban in a way that was going to be effective for the state, really looking at some of those lessons learned in other states uh, and making sure that we were structuring our program to be the best in the nation. And and we're confident that we have done that, uh, both through the law that was passed with the governor and the legislature and with our regulations uh, that we've 
developed to ensure effective implementation of this. So we took a real hard look at a lot of those other states that have done this, and we structured a program accordingly to make sure it's going to be a success. And, you know, I've watched, I saw in New York One the other day, and I know there's a piece in the journal where there was some concern among businesses that they've been uh, feeling that a number of people aren't aware about this. In the final days, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing and how are you responding to them? Because we're only a few days before this takes effect. Yep. Well, we're uh, we're here for all New Yorkers to help in this transition. And again, that's why we started our BYO Bag New York campaign. We have a very robust public education effort going on uh, through social media, um, but also working with food pantries around the state to offer reusable bags um, to uh, low and moderate income communities, really some of those that we think may be some of the harder hit ones. Uh, we wanted to make sure we were putting bags in their hands. Um, so our education efforts, uh, we have a lot of video content up on our website, FAQs, and other information. But again, if folks go to our website and they can't find what they're looking for, our experts are available. And there's ways to contact us either through phone numbers or email addresses on our website. But the first best uh, stop is to go to our website, check out our materials and what's there, because our goal here is to help all New Yorkers in this important transition. And one of the questions I had wanted to ask you on Sunday, and unfortunately I don't have it here, so I'm going to have to paraphrase what I recall, was that morning when I had picked up the New York Post and Daily News and was leafing through, I'd seen a full-page uh, ad from Gristidis and D'Agostinos in which it you know, blared out. One of the sentences was like that this is going to impact billions of trees. How do you respond to those concerns that, well, we're, you know, we're meeting one environmental concern, but at the same time, it's encouraging people then to use paper bags and it's going to kill billions of trees. Well, as I'm looking right now at a plastic bag blowing in a tree right behind me, uh, I know that we're actually helping the trees do this. And when we looked at the estimated 23 billion plastic bags that were used annually in New York State, and when you look at the amount of litter and plastic waste that they have produced, you know, it's hard to walk through a park these days or go kayaking on a river without seeing a plastic bag floating in the environment. So we know through this ban we're effectively shutting the door to that scourge out in the environment. And our goal here is to make sure that we're reducing plastic waste and taking important steps to protect the environment. When it comes to paper bags, obviously uh, we're going to take a close look at, um, you know, where these bags are coming from and how they're used and how they're produced. Sustainable forestry is really important overall to the state, and our forest products industry is very important as well. And we know paper bags are more of a reusable or renewable resource, uh, and plastic bags are not. And that's why we wanted to focus on this ban and start getting this plastic waste out of the environment. And we've got just a minute or two left. As you look to other jurisdictions across our country that has done this, is there one that you kind of hold up as the model where this has worked well? Sure, New York State is what the model we're looking at right now uh, because we think we've structured a really effective program. We really hope this is a model for other states to pick up and take on. Uh, you know, our task force report uh, that was developed and issued has a lot of information and research, research that went into structuring the legislation that was ultimately passed, and we know this is going to be a big success. And we've heard a lot of support from New Yorkers for this. We know this day is an important day to come and welcome, and that's why we're excited to be celebrating it with your listeners coming up. So, Sean Mahar, we've got just a, uh, about 30 seconds left. Can you please tell our listeners, if they want to know more about this, whether they're a business or whether they're a consumer, where should they go? How, they, how can they get more information on this? Sure. Once again, your first best stop is dec.ny.gov. That's dec.ny.gov. 
that's our main uh, Department of Environmental Conservation website, where there's a lot of information and resources, and we encourage folks to check that out first. Sean Mahar, Chief of Staff at the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. Thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI this week. Thank you, gentlemen. Good chat. So I want to let our listeners know that we will have another guest coming up soon, but the phone lines are open. I'm curious what you thought of that conversation, if you've even been aware of this law taking effect, if if you think you agree with it, if you don't, what you know about what's happened in other cities or states, and if you feel that their approach has been better or worse. The number for you to call in is 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven. I'm curious how you feel about this. Do you think that plastic bag bans are good or bad? How is this ban going to affect you? Uh, should these laws be stronger or weaker? And if you have another idea, I'm curious what you think the solution is. Our call-in number is 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. You are listening to WBAI 99.5 FM's Driving Forces, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and I was just joined a few minutes ago by Sean Mahar, the Chief of Staff at the New York State Department of Environmental Protection, who was talking about uh, the plastic bag ban that takes effect this weekend. So, Earlier this week, uh, on Sunday, when we were hoping to have this conversation with you, uh, you know, we were having an expert from NYU, Tatiana Hamanoff, on, and she had studied the Chicago experience, and uh, they went through several different phases. So her study, and we've invited her back another time because it's a fascinating study. She's done two reports on plastic bag bans and uh, looked at them, just the single, where it's a, the ban, and then the second component, which is what's happening in New York City, where they're taxing the paper bags. Uh, and when it was just the plastic bag band, uh, if I recall correctly, she had found that people found ways to circumvent that uh, in some respects when it was just the band. But then when the, the fee or the tax was affixed, she found that people began uh, to adjust to this and to comply with, it, with this. But in the middle, between those two options in Chicago, when it wasn't taking place, when there was nothing, uh, she found that people eventually, you know, they kept it up for a while, but then they started to backslide. We've got some callers on the line. Let's go to the first caller. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name and what is on your mind? Yeah, thank you. This is Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi. Uh, yeah, I've got some. Are you and there? it could also create industries. Why don't we make the bags out of hemp? Why can't we use hemp paper? Why can't New York State become hemp farmers? It's a good point. Reggie and I are shaking our heads. At, you know, it's a good point. We hadn't thought about it. And the other point is, now I know I didn't go up to uh, oh, uh, Clearwater Festival, but they had plastic utensils made out of uh, decomposable, uh, what was it, some sort of... Um, Potato starch. Why can't we make paste, paper uh, plastic bags out of something like that? You know, we could have a whole New York, new New York State industry, but nobody ever thinks of that. Very good point. Thank you so much for calling, Ken. We're going to go to our next caller. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name and what's on your mind? Uh, my name is Steve. Hi, Steve. And, uh, I think the I think the uh, plastic bag, uh, you know, uh, going away is good, is a good thing, actually. And um, what else? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that nobody has thought of plastic that disintegrates quicker. Uh, that would be a good idea, too. 
You mean the, I mean the one I'm thinking of is because I'm a pet owner that I the plastic bags that I use for my dog are those that disintegrate. They're more biodegradable. Exactly right. I'm sure that would be something. It's made out of vegetable it. starch. Ah, yeah, that's what it's made out of. It's made out yeah, of vegetable I mean, starch. Yeah, and, uh, and I will say, given my dogs, they're very durable. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> they don't come up with that. And um, yeah, and and what is it to buy? You know, three or four. You know, uh, the, of the uh, reusable plastic bags now they're selling too. You know, I mean, it's not that big of a stretch, really. <laughs> you know, you just bring that to the store instead of the plastic. Steve. That would go a long way, too. Great. Steve, thank you so much for calling in to BAI. I've got another caller. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name and what's on your mind? Hi, my name is Raquel. Hi, Raquel. And um, uh, I remember when I was a little girl, many of the uh, people who went shopping, yes, we used paper bags, but they also used cotton and burlap bags to carry their groceries. And so maybe we can even resort to that. Um, I'm glad for this ban because the amounts of plastics that you collect on lots and it just builds up and it's everywhere. It's destroying animal life. So I'm really very happy. But we can also use cotton bags and strong burlap bags, you know, and that would also help, which would cut down on the paper bags and the trees. Great. Thank you, Raquel. That's a good idea. You know, I remember growing up where the supermarket where I even worked at as a cashier, the food town in Washington Township, New Jersey, we were, we didn't use plastic. We only had used paper bags at that time. Uh, but I also know growing up how my parents often would bring uh, cardboard boxes when we went to the supermarket so that we wouldn't even have to use the paper bags. We'd put everything in the same uh, cardboard boxes to bring home. Uh, going to our next caller, uh, welcome to BAI. What is on your mind? Hi, welcome to BAI. Hi, hi there. I'm Farina from Queens. Hi, Farina. Um, so, like, I don't. Is this? Does I, I remember reading an article recently about how like we may have a shortage of paper bags. How would that affect the ban? And also, uh, someone had posted like on the Department of Sanitation's like Instagram uh, that they were that some bodega was charging like ten cents prior to the ban even going to effect. So, like. How is the DEC going to be able to like crack down on those types of issues? It's it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, as far as you know, I'm going to call it surge pricing of paper bags. I had not seen that. I've been really focused on the uh, alarming surge pricing going on regarding the face masks that uh, Amazon is cracking down on now that that's happening. But I had not heard of that. That's a very good point. Uh, it's worth a us asking also the Department of Sanitation how they would crack down on something like this or the city department, actually the city department of consumer affairs. I think it's changed its name in recent years, but when I had covered them as a reporter, it was DCA that very good points. Thank you so much for giving us a call for arena. Do we have another call, Reggie? Yeah. Great. Another call. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Yeah, hi. I used to work at a landfill. And if you've ever seen a, a seagull choking to death on one of those plastic bags, you know that this is way overdue. 
Did you see the uh, picture? I think it was in the New York Times of that uh, the duck this week in Central Park with a plastic ring from a uh, from a bottle that was kind of stuck where the duck could no longer close its mouth. I mean, that's the type of thing you need images like even what you just talked about. That yeah, drives I hope nobody's it home for eating people. right now. But I'm sorry. I hope nobody's eating supper while I'm talking about no, but that. This, but, it's, but it's a good point. Yeah, it's the visual often. I mean, we're radio, but the visual, even when we talk about it, really drives it home sometime when you see, you know, all the waste in ocean oceans where I've seen some of from the plastic straw campaigns, uh, some of that or when, you know, unfortunately, there's a whale or a shark or sea life that is, you know, cut open and you see all the plastic that's in their stomach. Those things stick with me. Yeah. So thank you for giving I'll us. I'll never forget it. Thank you for giving us a call. Got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. Hello. Hi. Hi. My name is Erebus. I'm from West Harlem. Um, I think some of the earlier callers, like the first two or three, brought up an excellent point because I was thinking along the lines of what's going to happen to garbage bags. Are there millions and millions of garbage bags in use? Um, you know, the hefty bags, the small office bags. You know, how, how is that going to be, um, does the policy affect that? And, you know, uh, what, what, what kind of, um, you know, what do they have in place to deal with uh, the garbage bags of all sizes? If I read the regulations correctly, and I do encourage you because it should be on the uh, the website that our guest mentioned at dec.nyc.gov, but I don't think garbage bags fall under this. Uh, you know, especially they're not. I, you're not going to see them disappearing from the shelves of supermarkets. But I do think about how, and I'm guilty of this too, that in the past what I've done is I take, when I do get those plastic bags, I reuse them as garbage bags in the house. So I'm curious what people are going to, uh, to do to adjust to that, if they're yeah. going to be spending more money I to do buy. the same thing. Excuse me? I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's and a lot of my neighbors do that, but you know, it's it's a change in how we, you know, live our life. You know, I've started thinking about even the food waste that I have and how I might find ways to adjust to be able to, you know, separate that out to to you know, drop it off for compost. So, thank you so much for giving a call. Got another call on the line. Welcome to WBAI. Hello, is that me? Yes, it is. Welcome. What's your okay. name? I was on the I was on the line when the last caller called, but I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> okay, thank you. I still I, I they're still working out the kinks of the uh, phone system and the technology and all that stuff. So, what is on your um, mind? Uh, you know, I love your I love your guys' show. I know you guys need money, and you know that's a big part of the uh, the thing. I just I you know I hate to bring up, but I don't know why they ever moved from Midtown, that which which was a great location to downtown. But that's a whole other story. Uh, and again, this goes to waste. They said recently one third of all of the food is actually wasted. Now, if you think about that food, where it starts, how much plastic? You're just talking about plastic. This is one problem. You know, the water is 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 poison too. But the plastic, there's so many things wrapped in plastic from the shipping. If you notice those big uh, container ships, they're wrapped in these huge plastic things. Then it gets to a supermarket, and it's unwrapped, and then you put it in a plastic bag. And then, yeah, you use that for garbage. But guess what? Millions of people are using that for garbage. Where is all that going to go? Well, eventually it went into what is that huge plastic uh, uh, reef or whatever is in the, is, is in the ocean. 
the fish have plastic in them. We're eating the plastic. We're, you know, and this is going back to the petroleum uh, corporations. I assume all of these things are petroleum uh, products. So the petroleum companies are really in charge of our uh, way of life. They promote it. They don't think of the consequences. And if they had to pay for the, the environmental consequences, they probably couldn't make a profit. So it, there's a lot of issues around this. Uh, the, the the plastic in water. I never realized that a plastic bottle could actually leak plastic into the water. How scary is that? You're drinking something that you're supposed to think is healthy, but yet it's contaminated. And how many parts per billion can actually be considered safe? You, and you raise some good points. And before we get to my next guest, I do want to, uh, to bring up with you that even when I shop in a supermarket, I become so aware of what I see as far as wasteful packaging in plastic with certain products. And I, this this is just me getting more older and crankier about everything. But as I see certain products that they will package several times in different layers of plastic. That's just been something I feel like I don't even want to uh, buy that product anymore because I feel that they've been wasteful and not thoughtful on this. Thank you so much for giving us a call. So you are listening to WBAI 99.5 FM here in New York. This is Driving Forces. And we're also streaming live at WBAI.org. Earlier in the show, I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, by the way. Earlier in the show, uh, I talked with Sean Mahar, Chief of Staff at the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. I also wanted to get the business perspective perspective. How are people and businesses been preparing for this? So joining me now on the line is Jessica Walker, who's the president and CEO of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for joining me today, Jessica. Thank you, Jeff. So you you did a survey of several neighborhoods uh, to assess kind of what's, if people know about this, what's on the horizon. What did your survey find? What neighborhoods did you look at? Well, it wasn't great. Uh, we did a quick canvas of about 41 stores uh, in Harlem and also in Chinatown, and we found that only about half of them, 21 of the 41, were even aware uh, of the plastic bag ban, so that's already not great. And then we also found even those who were aware of the law, that they uh, had a lot of confusion themselves about what they could and could not do uh, so I think that, you know, God bless your, your last guest from the state, but I, I think he's, he might be in for a rough week next week when uh, when this law is uh, implemented. What were some of the misconceptions? Yeah, well, I think there were a lot of problems around uh, understanding the five-cent fee that businesses are supposed to collect when they uh, use paper bags. Uh, a lot of the businesses thought that they could actually keep the, the fee because paper bags do cost more than plastic bags. Uh, so that was one issue. I think also it's hard for uh, businesses to understand all of the exemptions um, and, you know, where they fit into it. So, for example, uh, a lot of restaurants are exempt um, for carryout bags, but they don't know if they're, they're also supposed to collect uh, the five-cent fee if they use paper bags. Um, so I think there were some real deficiencies here. Uh, unfortunately, um, even the, the website um, that the state and the city were using to try to educate uh, businesses about how this law to take is, is supposed to um, be enacted. Uh, we found that there was some some you know real missing information there as well. So the rollout just has not been terrific. Uh, and you know the only upside is thank goodness, uh, as your your guest mentioned, um, the first offense 
will not uh, there will not be a fine for the first offense. It will just be uh, a warning. So that's a great thing. And what role do uh, as you know, I work with the Queen's Chamber, and this is something I've discussed with Tom Gresh. So what role do the chambers have in also educating the businesses? Because just by you going out and surveying the 41 in Harlem and Chinatown, you're educating them through that process. What what does your chamber do? Yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely have been, all of us, all five of the, the borough-wide chambers have been sending information to our memberships. Uh, but that doesn't reach every business, of course, Um so we also all run a program called Chamber on the Go. So that, that's what really allows us to go out to stores and shops and try to educate them and also uh, see what their needs are and try to, to link them up with help. So we're doing as much as we can, but, but even that, uh, as you can imagine, I still think there's still a lot of confusion. Is there, I don't know if you've advocated for something different, but in your view, is there another solution? Well, unfortunately, I think that this is going to end up being sort of a case study uh, you know, of what we don't want to happen again. Um, you know, thank goodness, like I said, a business is not going to be fined if they don't know about the law, but it's still not going to be pleasant when, uh, you know, the businesses have to be the face to tell consumers that you can't get a bag anymore. Um, and so, you know, the, the education for consumers, I think, was a little bit better, but, uh, you know, still not every consumer is going to be aware of it either. So, I think that um, we should just, you know, after this does go into effect, then we're going to try to make sure that everybody in the city is aware of it. Uh, but I think then we should really take a step back and see what we what we all could have done a little bit better and what we need to do uh, next time when we're rolling out this type of law. And, you know, and I should have asked this. I always ask my guests this question. This is not a tough one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for those listeners who don't know what the chamber does more broadly, and I should have started that at the outset, Jessica, can you please tell our listeners a little more about your scope of services? Because I do want people who are listening to know that you're not just a resource to go to to learn more about the plastic bag ban, but what, el- what other things that you uh, handle. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Jeff. So we are, as a Chamber of Commerce, we represent the local businesses across the borough. So that means primarily a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses here in the city. Uh, we help them. We do a ton of networking events. And, and what I try to say is, you know, helping them make game-changing connections uh, to benefit their business. We also do a lot of advocacy with the city and state levels uh, to try to make sure that the climate is good for these businesses. And we also then have a foundation which allows us to, like I said, go out to stores and shops and really try to see where they're at and offer them assistance. Because there are a lot of city services, for example, that are free um, that they just might not know about. So where my mind also goes to right now, and it's interesting that one of the neighborhoods you chose was Chinatown, I go to something that I, I talked about at the outset of the show, which is the uh, the fear about coronavirus impacting uh, coming to more broadly uh, to the New York uh the New York City area or New York State. And uh, recently I was I participated in a press conference in Flushing uh, with the mayor and uh, and I did on I was with the Queens Chamber of Commerce about how businesses were suffering. And so it makes me wonder at this time, as this ban goes into effect in some of these neighborhoods like Chinatown or Flushing or a section of Elmhurst, the businesses that are already suffering from 
uh, much lower patronage that then they're going to have this plastic ban take effect where, uh, you know, they're not sure if they're going to be penalized. Are you worried that compounding, you know, uh, the coronavirus fear in some neighborhoods, uh, which is causing less people to patronize these places and the plastic ban uh, going into effect, that it's going to hurt some of these businesses even more? Well, it could. Um, you know, one of the things I didn't mention, which I'm also worried about, is businesses that did not know about this ban um, may be sitting on significant inventory of plastic bags that they now cannot use. That's a good point. And so, for example, uh, one of our one of our members uh, owns three local shoe stores here in Manhattan, and so for those three stores, he orders a hundred thousand plastic bags uh, at once. Um, to, to you know, buying them in bulk, and so uh, I think he thinks that he's going to lose at least six thousand um, dollars out of out of pocket here. So, and it, you know, for others, it could be a lot worse. So, um, so that's like a real something that you really are going to feel in your bottom line, especially then if you have to go and buy paper bags, uh, which are more expensive. So, I think that that's the real kind of thing that, that small business owners feel in their pockets. And just in the last minute or two, I just want to go back to the initial survey where you talked about a number of businesses that were not aware that this was going to take place. For those that were aware, were you finding that they were putting up signage, that they were taking steps to educate their customers about this? What were some of the the positives that you found in the survey? Absolutely. Uh, We did, those people who did know about it, a lot of them did did have the city flyers, which, uh, you know, tried to let their customers know that this was going to be happening. But again, even the flyer was uh, not perfect because it just, like I said, it had the, it said that you can charge the five cent fee for the, for the paper bag. But again, it didn't specify how to use that. So I think that that is just one, another one of those things that I think we can just be more thoughtful of um, going forward. So uh, Jessica Walker, president and CEO of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce, I want to thank you for being with me. But before you go, can you please let our listeners know how they can learn more about you? And I'm not sure I have not had a chance to check your website, but if you have information on there about the plastic bag ban and what businesses and consumers should know, if there's a specific page they should go to. Yeah, so our website is manhattancc.org. Uh, and there you can find information about the survey we did, uh, you know, the canvassing businesses. And it also does include links uh, to the city and state websites that uh, talk about this issue. Jessica Walker, president and CEO of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for joining me here on WBAI today. Thanks for getting the word out, Jeff. Thank you. So uh, for our listeners, we're going to take calls in a few more minutes. uh, But I just want to go back to some of the notes that I had typed down for this Sunday when we were going to be my City Watch host and I, David Brand, we're going to talk about uh, the bag ban. And we had that tech issue. But it's just interesting because there are seven other states that uh, have banned single use plastic bags. And that's states overall. Uh, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Maine, Oregon, and Vermont. And the first state that had done this uh, to enact legislation that did a statewide ban on the single-use bags, that was California. 
Uh, and that measure also put a 10 cent, this is interesting, a 10 cent minimum charge for recycled paper bags and reusable plastic bags and compostable bags at some of the locations. Uh, that apparently was going to take effect uh, about five years ago, but then there was a referendum, uh, which then passed more than, uh, more than 50% of the vote, meaning that the plastic bag ban was uh, approved by the legislature and uh, and the law. That was one of the jurisdictions that the professor at NYU that I had mentioned uh, had looked at before she did a much a much deeper dive uh, into Chicago. Uh, another, uh, in addition to the states, there have been a number of cities. Uh, like New York that have uh, wanted to pursue and then pursued bag bans or bans and fees. It's interesting to see how some went just for the bans. Others did a mix uh, involving the fees on paper bags or on plastic bags. Uh, and among those that uh, had done that, again, had been Chicago in addition to Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, and Seattle. So uh, as we open up the phone lines in another minute or two, I just want you to start thinking about uh, you know, as New York gets ready this Sunday uh, to move ahead with this, you know, do you feel that these plastic bag bans are are effective? Do you feel that they do enough to help the environment? Some of our callers in the first half hour uh, had noted that the uh, that there was so much other. Well, he had said food waste, uh, but I know that he was also referencing as well all the other types of plastic that we use each day, whether it's in the water bottles or the plastic straws and even the packaging. I mean, as as you move ahead, you know, I wonder whether this plastic bag ban is going to make us as consumers uh, you know, to rethink how we look at all the plastic in our lives and how much waste. I mean, nearly I cannot go any one day without touching a piece of plastic or consuming something where there's been plastic that, you know, has been you know, used to wrap the food that I'm picking up in a, su- a supermarket or at a, a deli. And I've started to wonder you know, how I'm going to adjust after this uh, first ban takes effect. So the phone lines are now open. Give a call to 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Let me know if you feel that these plastic bag bans are effective, if you feel that they're just garbage, uh, and uh, do what some of our earlier listeners have done, which is Tell me what you think should be done or if you think that this is the right move or just the first of a series of moves that we need to then go further uh, beyond plastic bags. Are there other forms of plastic you think that we should be banning? So we've got some callers. The lines are starting to light up already. We're going to go for the uh, next call. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi. i just like to say that um, I haven't really used plastic bags in over – uh, 20 years, but as a homeowner, um, one does not have to transfer your cardboard to plastic. You can just place your paper in those large brood bags and your cans and bottles washed in those uh, recyclable bags, and then when they come, they pick them up and put them right on the truck. You don't have to buy a bag to put these things in. That's an unnecessary step, and I thought I'd make that recommendation. Oh, and, and one thing I do, and I'm aligned with you here, is for all, especially for all my recyclables, I don't use plastic bags. I've been using it's not in the best shape, but I've been using a reusable bag for about two, two three years now. Oh, yeah, you can do that as well. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. Welcome to BAI. What is on your mind? I've been using the 
reusable bags for years, but by the same token, I still wind up with a lot of plastic bags from every other store. Um, and when I get an excess of uh, bags, I just take them to one of the um, drugstores that accept, you know, the return bags, and the others I use for garbage. I think the city would do itself a big favor if a lot of the soft drinks, like the Arizona and a few other companies, if those bottles were <clears throat> charged the five cents and had to go back to the store, I think that might be more beneficial. Nice idea. Thank you so much for giving a call. We've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Yes. Uh, well, uh, basically, my opinion of this bill, uh, I mean, like, okay, I'm for green energy and all that, for the environment and so forth. But the problem is that the real polluters are not being penalized. It's the same old story. They always go after, you know, uh, the, the working class and poor people to solve the problem. They need to go after the Koch brothers, who are one of the biggest polluters, uh, these fossil fuel uh, companies. I mean, it's the same old uh, it's the same old game, you know. Penalize the powerless and the people who are actually doing the polluting. They, you know, they get a free ride. So to me, uh, they could, you know, another a thing, a better measure could have been done. So, so basically, I'm not for this bill whatsoever. And then plus Cuomo, you know, he's basically in the hands of the elitists. So, you know, that's the bottom line. You know, it's it, it just a big fallacy. Thank you so much for giving a call to WBAI. We've got another caller on the line. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind today? Hello. Um, my name is Claire from New Jersey. Uh, obviously, I'm not, unfortunately, affected by this plastic ban yet. But in my opinion, I don't think there should be paper bags either. I think that everybody, I think it's time for everybody to adjust and you know, it's going to be, you're going to forget them sometimes, but it's up to us as the consumers to bring our own bags because we all know, like the caller before said, the petroleum industry and the plastic companies, they're not going to be held accountable. So it's up to the people to, you know, start buying our own bags and stop buying products that are single use. Um, I have friends out in Colorado and there's a store out there near Denver called it's Zero Waste Something. I follow them on Instagram, and they bring their they everything is glass or it's reusable. They bring it in. They get their soap there. They get everything there, and 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 it really promotes um, reusable like everything that you can imagine. So in my opinion, we just need to adjust and we need to get on the get on the train and care about the climate because it's up to the consumers. Because the big companies are never going to do anything. Claire, thanks so much for giving a call from New Jersey, my uh, my birth state. Thank you so much. We've got another caller on the line. Nope. Okay. Phone lines are still open. 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM's Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. Today, I've been focusing on the plastic bag ban. And if you are uh, listening to us at your computer, thank you. For those who uh, are on the radio and might be heading into the house and might not have a radio in there, you can listen to us streaming live at WBAI.org.
We've been talking about the plastic bag ban, and I just want to remind our listeners that there's one way that you can uh, get a reusable bag. It's a. It's even better than that. It's a WBAI tote bag. Nice, beautiful uh, bag that you can carry. I mean, I I carry mine around everywhere. You could bring it when you go food shopping. That will save you any of the trouble given this ban that's going to take effect on Sunday. And you can get that bag by becoming a donor to WBAI. We are in our pledge drive, and it's an easy way to do it. Please give us a call at 516-620-3602 to donate, and we will make sure if you become a BAI buddy, that's when you give a recurring donation of $5, $10, a month, or even more if you'd like. Uh, you'll get the bag, and you could bring it with you when you go shopping, 516-620-3602. Okay, we've got about five minutes left, so I'm going to whiz through some of these calls. The phone's lighting up. Welcome to BAI. What is on your mind? Yes, I wanted to say I think um, I heard the gentleman at the first talk about how he studied all these other areas. Uh, I did not hear, maybe I missed it, about the using youth, the young people, particularly elementary school children. They can be very persuasive with their uh, parents, so maybe we need to think about that. It's interesting. The flip side of that is making sure all of our kids know that it's important that we recycle or that we not use, you know, waste paper bags, but it's even broader than that. I wish uh, as a kid that I had, uh, because I don't recall, but I know my parents instilled this in me, but I just wish it had happened in our schools that I learned more about environmental awareness. Thank you so much. Next call. What is on your mind? Welcome to BAI. Hello. Yep. You're on the air. Thank you. Hi, my name is Audrey. And I have a question, um, not a question, but a concern. Um, my mom's a homeowner, and the plastic bags that she must use for recycling um, and the plastic bags that she must use for her garbage, what, what's the point with this, this, this ban if you still have to use plastic bags in, in, in some manner? And these big black plastic bags are the worst to me. I mean, how do, how do you get around that? Use paper bags for garbage? You know, it's interesting that I think so, I do see this in my building already a number of people who use paper bags, but I know that for the superintendent it causes issues because everything seeps through them. Uh, but something that Reggie, uh, had mentioned during the show that I actually want to look into tonight was you mentioned the, uh, yeah. the, I mean, I talked about the doggy bags and you said what they were made of. Yeah, they're groceries. made out of, uh, of vegetable, uh, vegetable, uh, vegetable starch? Vegetable that starch. That's right. Vegetable mm. starch. Yeah. I wrote that down so yeah. I could check this afterwards. And I mean, and, and just for a couple of callers ago, there were, uh, there's plenty of utensils. Uh, that is made, uh, that is biodegradable, that is made out of cornstarch as bamboo. well. Bamboo. Yes, bamboo is another one. Um, and I think also with potato starch as well, too. So there's, there, but it's not as mainstream as it should be, but it, it is definitely growing as an alternative. Thank you so much for giving us a call. I've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi, you're on BAI. Yeah, I got a question. I know Ray, uh, what's his name, Gufiani, the old mayor? Mm-hmm. He, got, he saw the city radio TV station. Is that correct? We don't have one anymore? Uh, I know we have NY, I believe we have NY, don't we have NYC TV still? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, I don't watch television. But the whole thing has to start with education. You got to get a program on there that discusses to the people how to recycle. 
I see people put their plastic. They, they got three plastic jugs and a plastic bag to put out for recycling. I fill up these these twenty gallon bags until they're to the brim, and then I put them out for recycle. I take my my any paper. I put it in a cardboard box with my newspapers. I even take the labels off the cans and put it in there. And then I wrap it with a natural hemp rope. I don't use that that, that nylon rope. People have to be educated on what to do. You can't say no, but you have to give them an alternative. Thank you. Thank you for giving a call. I've got time for one more call because I'm going to have to wrap up shortly. Welcome to BAI. You're the final caller. You've got about 30 seconds. What's on your mind? Yeah, I think those are all good ideas. Um, I know I live in an apartment building in the Bronx, and no one, very few people seem to be putting the recycled stuff correctly away. And I've said things and put up signs and they go down. But I know... um, that they used to sell or they have sold um, some pretty little bags because I don't like carrying those big things around, and you might need more than one because one shoulder carrying it is heavy. They sell pretty little bags, very good for women, I'd say, and within them they fold up to like five inches, and within them there were others inside, and they're decorative and nice to use. Also, I think it's a good idea that you mentioned about the BAI, the bags. The tote bags, that's perfect. We should have a campaign on that. And in schools, I think it's excellent to have kids produce something, make something. So we used to use plastic as some material. I know they have tape, different things that we do with craft and bring home to the parents or that the kids could start to take and be proud of. And that's how kids, you know, parents get educated. Thank you. And on, on that note, on that note, we're going to have to uh, wrap up the show in just a minute, but thank you so much. And I want to thank all of our listeners today. Uh, the phone lines lit up on this one. I wish I could have taken more calls. I want to thank our guests today, Sean Mahar from the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation and Jessica Walker, president and CEO of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I will be back on Sunday with my City Watch co-host, David Brand. Uh, we are going to be announcing our guests uh, probably tomorrow. I've got one guest. We're still aggressively trying to get uh, this elected official, incumbent elected officials challenger on as well. And next week I'll be back in studio. In studio with me, uh, as of now, will be New York City Council Member Justin Brannon, who's going to be here and taking your calls. If you get a chance, follow him on Twitter this week. He is amazing on Twitter. He shames me. If you missed any part of the show, visit us at WBA. I.org. Go to programs, then archives. The show is going to be up in about 10 minutes. Again, thank you for tuning in to listen to Driving Forces with me, your co-host, Jeff Simmons, and I will see you next week. Have a great night. <laughs>